like one of my strengths as an athlete was always being able to be in a good headspace and you know get excited when I needed to and and stay calm when and relax when that time was called for as well. Excellence is about standing, and excellence is a requirement for your dream come true. Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host, Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys. From grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. On today's show, I'm joined by Lucas Bruchet. Lucas is a multiple-time Canadian champion in both cross-country and in the track and field 5 and 10,000 meters. Lucas retired in February 2023, and he looks back on his career to explain the origin of his love for cross-country, his great achievements and successes, and his participation to the 2016 and 2020 Olympics. He digs into the importance of keeping a good sport-life balance and also discusses the struggles athletes can face when it comes to finance and funding in order to keep competing at the highest level. Running started early for Luke to evacuate the very high energy he had as a kid. Yeah, I think uh, for me, all the way back to elementary school, I uh, just uh, like the local cross-country meet happened every Tuesday. And I was in grade two at the time. And my teacher, um, I was always like a high energy kid. And I think other teachers thought I had ADHD. And this teacher, um, instead of asking my parents to go for another uh, round of testing with the doctor. Um, she suggested going out for cross country as a way to blow off steam. So I just remember going to Crescent Park, which was like 800 meters from from where I lived at the time, and that's where the the Tuesday races were. And going out there and just uh, winning the first race, beating the great trees, and uh, from there it was like every Tuesday in the fall for I don't know five or six weeks going out, and and that's where for me the first memories of of running started. Interesting. Uh, did that work? That uh, kind of therapy? Did that uh, calm well, you down in a sense? Yeah, it's funny because I would always go to the doctor and I could control my energy when, you know, it was like a formal <laughs> setting or whatever. And I was never diagnosed with uh, with ADHD. But uh, I, it would be interesting to ask those teachers all the way through, like, was I able to control it or, or was I still the class clown? But just you know, had a, had a way to, I guess, exercise some of it every Tuesday. Yeah. And do you remember that it actually helped you in a sense, or did you know slash, did you feel that you were kind of, uh, uh, extremely excited as a kid compared to the other one? Or did you not, was it just you and running was just another fun way to, uh, you know, put that out? Yeah. Yeah. I still think I, I like to maybe act up a little bit when I was younger. <laughs> I think I was able to control it as I got older, but, um, at least it, it gave me uh, a way to exercise it out, you know, once a week and then maybe a couple practices. So I think it, it probably it probably helped a bit. Okay. And, and being that uh, energetic, I would say, um, did that make you a, a bad student uh, in a sense? Or were you still able to you know, focus in class and did that have, did that have an impact on uh, on your studying? Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you're young in elementary school, like so much of it is about socializing and being being a kid so to say so i i think i was probably pretty good at that <laughs> and the schoolwork who knows maybe i i did all right and 
I think uh, as I got older in high school, like I was able to kind of maybe separate the the sport side of things from um, from school and class, and was able to manage it better. But I feel like when you're young, it's, it it can be hard to at least <laughs> young boys. I can you know they're young boys in a sense, so I feel like it can be hard to control that energy sometimes. But uh, yeah. I feel like I did all right. Yeah, and uh, so when did running or when did you feel that it it could be more than just fun or you know running once uh, once a week was there a moment when you uh, were amongst the best uh, for you know repeated uh, competition yeah yeah i don't know like i i think through elementary school like for me it was always just cross country like there was track and field in the fall but um i feel like i always excelled at it and and did well through high school and and was always kind of maybe the the top person in my like city or district and then it wasn't until maybe like grade 11 or 12 where I started running times that were maybe the top for my age group nationally or provincially mm -hmm. and then I kind of started to say you know have coaches from across Canada and division one reach out and then I think at that point I would start to realize okay like you know I could I could go to school I could have some financial support to, to help earn a like a university degree and I think it was probably in those last two years of high school, grade 11 and grade 12, where I started to recognize that um, there's some potential there. Mm -hmm. So can you define, a, define sorry, a bit more um, uh, cross-country? Because we all know track and field with like the set distance for 800 meters, 1,500, 5,000, 10,000, whatever. Uh, what exactly is, is a cross-country? And yeah, why did you choose that over yeah. uh, track and field at the beginning? I think it was just... Uh, the way it lined up in the fall, it's kind of like a dead time in, you know, school sports or uh, running in general. So that that was like the opportunity to do something uh, competitive or um, physical during the fall. And I guess through elementary school, even, even in high school, it's not necessarily a set distance. It's just like each city or school has a, a course that they run on trails, grass, and could be anywhere from like 5k, 4k to 7k it's probably a little less when you're younger maybe two and a half or 3k but kind of through high school i think it was anywhere from five to 7k um but i think for me like it 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 probably ignited my passion or my my love of running because it it's not bound by time or distance necessarily it's just competition and you're just out there mm -hmm. trying to uh be better than the others or you know you get to there's more of an environment and atmosphere running through the trails or to me, it was always a bit more uh, pure in a sense. Mm -hmm. And apart from the field itself, like you said, grass and gravel versus just a, a track. There's also, like you said, it's not bound by time. There's probably not a world record for, you know, uh, cross country because the trails are different because the distance yeah. is always different. So the, the only goal is to beat the others. It's not like exactly. beating, you know, beating it's, a, a uh, world record. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. Like there's the, you know, it's, it's wherever, it, like the world championships, the nationals, it's, you know, here is our loop. It's, you know, five laps you're going to do. And, you know, it's roughly around, you know, 9K, 10K, 12K, whatever it might be. Like you have a, maybe parameters of what you try to fit it in. But I think for most of it, it's just the, the loop is the loop and you just try to run for half an mm -hmm. hour. 25 minutes, 35 minutes, like whatever it is. And you just try to beat as many people as you can. And, and as an athlete, what's the difference between uh, cross country and uh, 
track running? Is there really something that makes an athlete better in one or the other? Because you had a career in both. Yeah. Yeah, I always excelled well in, in cross country. And um, it's hard to say. Like, I feel like maybe the athletes that excel in cross country are the ones that actually enjoy it and, and see its value where, um, you know, sometimes some athletes that are maybe more focused on track and field don't maybe see its value. Um, I mean, there's a handful of Canadian athletes that are, you know, at the top of their game in track and field that don't always support the cross country national championships. And I think for me, it was just a way to, to stay focused throughout the fall. And um, I think I excelled in it because I was um, maybe, maybe physically stronger in a sense, like more, um, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to say. Like, I, I think I excelled well on the really, really muddy courses just because I, had strong, like a strong lower, lower body, lower, like lower leg strength, like that sort of thing. And, um, it just allowed me to not lose as much power or uh, speed through the mud and the, the mm. tougher terrain. But, um, you know, athletes that maybe excel more on the roads or tracks and lighter on their feet might not do as well in, in a environment like that. Mm -hmm. oh, it's just out of curiosity because uh, yeah I, you wonder because a track is always the same track so you can kind of plan the whole race if it's 5k you know pretty much when you accelerate when you slow down when you get aggressive when you get more passive but in that case for you it's like you said you can you know, have a couple um a couple steps in the mud then up then down then gravel so there's not there seem to be less uh, um planning on a on a cross country cross country um race than there is on a on a track race yeah Yeah, it's more, I feel like you have to have a good understanding of how you're feeling because there's not as much feedback. You know, you're not getting a, a lap split every time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every 400 meters, when it can be more undulating. So you need to, you know, sometimes you're going faster, slower, there's more corners and there's more technical terrain. And um, I don't know, I think I think it's 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 awesome and, and it'd be awesome if we saw uh, more support on a world level for it. I think, you know, the, the last couple of world championships in, Denmark and Australia have done a really great job of kind of showing it, it how it can be uh, competitive and fast, but also, uh, you know, still have that race, the idea of, of racing hard at, at its heart. Do you, um, do you think there's, it's gaining in popularity, whether it be in Canada or other countries, thanks to those world championships or just as a whole? I would say it's probably declining. I think, Yeah. Uh, Europe has done a, a really good job and the European cross country championships happen every year and they always have a great turnout from, from all the, the nations across Europe. And, um, I mean, athletics in general in Europe is just much, much bigger. And I think they, they kind of set an example for, for the rest of the world about how we could, um, you know, support track and field and, and all the various disciplines, whether it's road running and, Uh, cross country and and kind of create some excitement they're doing some unique things and i think um it's, it's hard in 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 canada and, and the u.s like i don't feel like cross country it's kind of like an afterthought compared to track and field or uh, road running but i think you know i coach athletes and i participated in in lots of cross country events and i think that uh, when people get out there and give it a try they They say how much they love it and how um, how refreshing it can feel when there's not 
necessarily like an outcome goal of how fast mm -hmm. you need to run more of just like pushing yourself to your limit and racing those around you and really just uh, competing with a just like a natural pure form of competition yeah and just for the the overall uh landscape i mean for me i'm not a runner but you know if you have if you tell me just either run uh, 5k on a track or 5k wherever in nature there's also that that aspect of like you said it's uh, it's so i mean every race is different from the other when on the track it's kind of a you know, repeat copy paste and you know just try to get the best lap you can pretty much yeah yeah what yeah. are the, the the biggest countries is it europe you said europe has been good at at you know Putting more popularity around the um, cross country, are there a few countries over there that are known to to be either uh, very much into it or with the, the best athletes? Yeah, like there's a, I guess there's a circuit, a cross country circuit that happens through the fall and, and winter, kind of similar to like the Diamond League or the top track and field races, um, and I think it, like France, Italy, Spain are are the countries that seem to to host most of those meets and I mean Ireland um you know there's Great Britain like there's a there's a strong sense of of uh cross-country communities in all of those those countries and um you know their best athletes seem to always be competing at the European Championships and um so yeah it's it's you know there's a there's a good chunk of of Europe that seems to support it and see its value and, and athletes are, are competing in their national championships and some of the other races in Europe, as well as the European championships. And then it's not always the case that they will on a year that where there are, it, where there is world championships, like not all of those countries are sending teams or all those athletes that are competing at Europeans will make the gentle world as mm -hmm. well. So there, there, there's a bit of a disconnection there. Yeah. And no Olympics for, um, for cross country. I mean, that's one of the, no. the avenues that can be explored for, you know, growing popularities and, and those, you know, top level athletes to be shown to the world and, and get some excitement. So is, is so there's no one yeah. but is, are there discussions around it or, and is there a reason so. why not? I think, I mean, I think back in the like early 1900s, they might've had it in some of the older Olympics. I think, um, I think there's a drive to, from, from some to see it back in the Olympics, but I think the argument has been, you know, for, for, do they host it in the winter Olympics? Do they host it in the summer Olympics for, you know, the Northern hemisphere? It's generally a, a winter sport where I guess African countries, like it's more summer environment, but, um, I think the idea is maybe that they're, they might be watering down some of the competition if it's a summer sport, um, cause you might have athletes that maybe wouldn't make the Olympics in the 10,000 meters or 5,000 meters on the track. And, but I, I don't really see the arguments against it because I feel like it's a, it's a, a sport that's extremely inclusive on a world scale. There's, you know, there's a great opportunity to have so many countries represented and it's, uh, I mean, there's, so many swimming events or uh, they're adding so many new team events uh, in the winter olympics that i feel like there there's an opportunity if they're looking to increase diversity and and um add more sports i think it, it would be a pretty easy one to add mm -hmm. perfect and so on the on the 
personal level, you've had, you've won uh, multiple Canadian championship or, or titles, both in uh, cross country and also on track. Um, from what I've read and what you seem to be uh, uh, saying is that your love is is mostly for uh, cross country. But yes, can can you elaborate more on those titles and w which one felt the I would say the best to you and which one you were which ones you were uh, the most proud of and for what reasons? Yeah, I've won a, a couple, I guess, uh, three cross-country ones and then a, a couple on the track. I think and the cross-country ones always always felt the best because such a, like, you have marathoners, 5,000-meter, 10,000-meter steeplechase, 1,500-meter, like, everybody's coming together and racing one distance. And um, So to me, it was just like, it was pride was on the line. Fitness was on the line. It was an opportunity to line up with all the best runners across Canada, regardless of distance. And, um, I won one, uh, my first one was at Jericho beach in Vancouver, which is from where I live now, like a 1500 meters away. It was family was there. Friends were there and I was really young and it was just the muddiest course I've ever probably raced on. So that one, I'll never forget that. And then the, the last two I won were we're back east in Kingston and the course was just so much fun, like rolling hills and, you know, and races are in, when they're on in Ontario, they just seem to get, um, more people coming out to, to compete at them. So I think those ones will, you know, stick out for me the most, just because I feel like they were maybe deeper than the ones I went on the track and, um, more competitive and. I think the, the senior men would always race the last race of the day. So all the athletes are, are sticking around. The environment is really, um, really exciting. So those ones, those ones for sure, um, you know, have a, have a, have a good place in my memory. And so, um, let's say if you had, to, so you went to the Olympics, um, in 2016. So if you had to compare, let's say a title in cross country, or a Canadian title for cross country versus going to the Olympics, is there, is cross country still up top because it's Canadian title, as you said, competing against all disciplines of, of athletics, uh, or, or going to the Olympics, even if track is not your, no, your love, let's say, uh, or your first love. Um, yeah. Which one sits above the other and why? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I qualifying for the Olympics. I think I, like, I still love track and field as well. Um, it's different. It's fast. It, it it's uh, maybe a little more cutthroat. But um, yeah, qualifying for the two Olympics will never. They were so unique in the way that they happened. Like the one in 2016 was was uh, it all happened so fast and it getting it, there uh, or the event itself. Yeah, getting there. Like I, I uh, you know had some ups and downs that year and and some struggles through the season and then it all came together and, and I ran the qualifying time and then nationals were a few weeks later and a few weeks after that I was on the plane to Brazil and um, so that one you know I was able to share with my parents they were at they were in Edmonton at the national championships and uh, they flew down to to Rio with with my brother and they were able to watch the race so that was super special and of course Tokyo was a little different but yeah, the, those, I'll never forget those either. I feel like there's, you know, I'm fortunate that I've had lots of really positive experiences in sport and lots of, you know, happy memories from it. So it's, uh, you know, I'm, 
very fortunate to have have had that happen. And uh, so you seem to one of the first um, answer you gave me when when I emailed you was uh, uh, that asking me if I was aware that you just retired and if I was still interested to have a chat. And I, I said, yes, usually the people that retired are the ones that have the best perspective, I would say, on their career to, to pinpoint the ups, the downs, the reason why uh, behind many things. Um, so now that you're retired, so when did you, I would say, turn pro or, or when did uh, running become your uh, your main daily activity, I would say? Uh, yeah, I guess after I... I after I graduated in uh, 2014 from university, I think I'd probably been starting to treat it more as like a full-time thing in that last year of university. But um, once I finished school that spring, kind of became the main focus. All right. So these are so many years of high level, elite level uh, you know, rides and, and races and competitions. So what kept you going? It, Yeah, why? I would say, why do you keep going when you uh, when you have to um, suffer so much in training and 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 travel continent to continent? What what was your uh, yeah the the silver lining for you? The, the thing that kept you going uh, day in day out? Yeah, I I feel like for me it, it uh, becomes a habit of of your daily life. You know, you're waking, you're waking up, you're training becomes just a, a regular part of the day, the easy runs, the, the days you're working out, the strength and conditioning. And then for me, I always had this, this goal of competing at the Olympics as a professional athlete. And I think when I was younger, it was, it was probably in a, a different sport, basketball during the summer or hockey during the winter. But, you know, as I got older, I started to recognize that I had, uh, I guess, some natural talent with running. And I think those years, um, When I finished university, I, I was so close to this goal of making the Olympics and, and achieved it that um, two years out of university, you're, you've already kind of accomplished this amazing goal you've set for yourself. So you, you move the bar a little bit further and become not just about representing your country, but seeing how far you can push yourself. Like how, how fast can, can you be? How, you know, how far can you go? Can you make an Olympic final or... or Um, you know, set a Canadian record. And I think it, it, I guess it becomes a little bit about ego in, in a sense, but mm -hmm. um, these goals were, were there for me to, to chase after 2016. And, and I was still young and motivated and su supported through sponsorship and, and uh, national sport funding that I had the opportunity to, to chase, um, you know, those personal goals. And, um, There were a lot of ups and downs between 2016 and, and 2021 and learned a lot about myself. And now through reflection, you, you wish you had this, uh, maybe this mindset when you were younger, but uh, mm -hmm. it, uh, lots, of, lots of stories to tell for sure. Did you, uh, did you manage to always keep the fun into the sport? Because I've seen and I've had a, a few discussions where uh, athletes say that the moment you lose the fun, it always starts because whatever the sport you do is fun and you like doing it, then you realize you're good. Then you have objectives, then bigger and bigger objective. And then sometimes it, it just turns into a job and something you have to do more than something you enjoy doing. So yeah, in your career, did you always manage to, to keep that, that fun part? Uh, to some extent, I feel like I was fortunate to have 
uh, a great training group with with lots of good friends. So you know, practice and and uh, training camps and trips were always good. But I think for me, around the time when the pandemic started, it uh, it was hard. I kind of almost hated the sport a little bit, and you put so much pressure on yourself to reach these new goals and when you're not reaching those, it, it doesn't become fun. So I know that, you know, the pandemic was so shitty for many people and, and, but it gave me an opportunity to kind of like disconnect from a little bit and like try some other things without any pressure of having to race or having to be fit for next month, you know, whatever it was, it was an opportunity to disconnect and refine that, that, that joy of running and, just have fun again. Like I, you know, it took a few months to kind of just go through the, the, the separation from the sport. Like I was still running, but it became more about like just running for health, running you know, for fun. And my, the mindset changed going into that last year when I qualified in 2021 for the Olympics. And, and that was just like the most fun I've ever had in the sport. So it's, uh, I guess it's not unusual to have, you know, those ups and downs, but having the I guess the ability to kind of like totally disconnect from the sport um without sacrificing results or performance Mm -hmm. because the world was shut down was was a blessing in disguise is that a is that a learning that you now try to teach to the uh, the athlete that you that you train the fact to be able like you said to disconnect and 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 try to take a step back from time to time yeah yeah I think for me what I realized going through this process was Like the key for me was balance. I, 2021, I had sport. Um, you know, I had, I made my social life, friends and family more of a priority. I was actually going to school and this idea of balance allowed me to kind of just be much more even um, and happy. And so racial workout went poorly. It didn't matter, you know, because I just to focus on school or I had some friends there to pick me up. So I think that's something I'm trying to, to reinforce with the athletes I work with is that You know, running can be important for you and, uh, you know, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort and it's important to have goals, but it doesn't need to be the only thing in those other aspects, whether it's family or work uh, or other forms of, um, you know, pleasure and enjoyment, like all of those can contribute to your, you know, your overall happiness and health and, you know, play a big role in, in the, you know, the ultimate outcome with running. And so talking, you mentioned quite the, um, a few times that you had many ups and downs, which is the case for any uh, elite athlete. Um, I think I read you had two, let's say, quite big injuries, like stress fracture, one when you were in university, one around, I think, 2018, or that um, where, where you missed the whole year. Now, looking back, do you feel you approached those two injuries differently? One, you were extremely young, probably you, you know, had the goal, like you said, to go to the Olympics and be an Olympic champion. And then in 2018, maybe you were more of a, an adult. You had, you had more experience. You had more stuff on the side and just running. So, yeah, did you, uh, how, how different were those two um, years uh, away from the sport? Yeah, yeah. I think as a, in university, you, you, like, I feel like I didn't have a great understanding maybe of how to train or how the body reacts to training. And with, uh, you know, social events and school, it doesn't, you know, maybe always lend itself to recovery and recovering well. So I think it was probably a combination of just being a bit immature and not kind of understanding that the, the whole picture around how, what, you know, what affects mm-hmm. your recovery and, and how training can affect your body. And, um, 
yeah, in 2018, I tried the feeble chase for a little bit and broke my foot and then came back and ended up breaking another bone in my foot a few months after um, kind of returning to sport. And that was, I feel like that was maybe more difficult because I feel like I had gotten to a place where I was finally ready to kind of make the next step in, uh, in progression and, and kind of get to that level that I had always thought. Um, but I think it was also an opportunity to kind of reevaluate, like a, we ended up working with a physio and a strength and conditioning coach to kind of identify some areas of weakness and, um, that whole mindset of, of taking a step back and evaluating the whole picture was probably something I could have done when I was younger, but you maybe you know, don't have the people around you to, to kind of push you into that decision when you're young or, you know, if you're a coach or your physio or that sort of stuff, when you're at a university level, you don't always have access to, to those sorts of things. So I think the support team the, that I had in place when, when I got injured in 2018 was just the, uh, you know, their expertise was just much higher and gave me the opportunity to kind of adjust things so that over 2019, 2020, 2021, I, I didn't have to take any time off for, for any injuries. Mm -hmm. And so how do you fill out a whole year um, you know, away from, from racing? You probably still train at some point, but yeah, how, when, when running and when sport is your main stuff, what is, what is really, how do you manage your schedule and what do you do to keep the motivation up and, and be ready when the, the body is ready? Yeah, I think it all depends on what time of year you get injured. If it's fall, winter, you can put in lots of supplementary Uh, endurance work, whether it's in the pool or on the bike to kind of keep the engine going. Uh, the injury in 2018 was tough because I got injured right in the summer. So just immediately track season is canceled. So, um, I just kind of almost like completely disconnected from everything for, for a couple of weeks and just, uh, enjoyed life, I guess had, you know, I don't often have summers off, especially when, when, uh, or I didn't have summers off. That's like prime track season. So when I was competing, it was just full on. So that summer in 2018 was just like a, a nice opportunity for me to kind of just enjoy time with friends and family. And um, kind of the closer I got to returning to, to running, I started doing some work on the bike and in the pool and some maintenance stuff just to make sure I wasn't too out of shape when I started running again. But uh, it, it can be hard, you know, to, to, To go full gas in cross training like it, it it mentally wears you out and physically wears you out and the, the priority should be recovering and sometimes that just means stepping away from exercise and and just recharging so that your your body can do the same mm -hmm. do you have like any mental support i would say um you know psychologist or sports specialist for you know people injured to you know, keep the mental up and all that or is it really just you your family and your your close ones Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was, it was always just kind of a thing that I was able to sort out by myself. Like I, I, uh, I think that was the aspect, like one of my strengths as an athlete was always being able to be in a good headspace and, you know, get excited when I needed to and, and stay calm when, and relax when that time was called for as well. So, um, I was always fortunate. I had people around me that I could talk to if, if something wasn't going well, uh, for the most part, I think, uh, sport was always a enjoyment for me it wasn't necessarily 
uh, a means to an end. It wasn't life or death for me in terms of sport. So if things weren't going well and I needed to take some time off because of an injury, it was, you know, I was, I was lucky to have people there and, and things to do to, to keep my mind occupied. Okay. So talking about balance and like you said, many other stuff uh, to think about and, and keep you occupied. So you retired early this year. So first of all, uh, I would say why so is that a uh, decision based on you no know, lack of performance lack of motivation or you think that you had done your part in in everything and second question is what's next i've, I've so you mentioned that you train athletes i think you also uh, graduated from uh, ubc in um, teaching education so yeah two questions <laughs> yeah yeah it's tough like I, i would have loved to to continue competing but it it uh it gets difficult it's not the most uh lucrative sport in a sense it's, it's hard to stay financially stable especially in Canada there's not a whole lot of sponsorship or support and the the funding that comes from sport Canada is is an annual thing so if you don't perform well or don't fit into their um, I guess into their funnel uh, then they, they're not going to support you so it can be hard to to kind of scrape by every year and and uh, you know as you get older it it, uh, it, uh, I guess, you know, it just becomes harder, you know, because you don't want to finish the sport and have nothing there. And, um, I felt to some extent that I had achieved almost everything I'd ever wanted to accomplish in sport. I'd run really fast. I'd been to a handful of Olympics and, and won some national titles. So I felt like I could step away from the sport, um, without any, um, bad feelings like it was just mm -hmm. you know I, i i still love the sport i still run today i coach athletes and i i uh have a very positive relationship with the sport and i felt like it was just a, a good time to step away from it because i didn't want to get to a point where i hated it and and the way it had maybe treated me if i kept going maybe that would have been the case so i felt like it was a, a good time to step back and then uh i think it's one of those things I'll always, always be involved with, with running in, in some capacity. I, I, uh, I work as a coach with Mount Marathon. Um, and it's a, it's a cool way for me to share all of my experience as an athlete. And I guess the expertise that I've kind of built over my time in, in elite sport with other people that are, that are, you know, keen to crush their own personal best and their own running goals. And as a high school teacher, getting to work with, kids in uh you know coach cross country and and track and give them the skills to uh, chase their own goals whether it's in sport or you know outside of of uh some sort of physical activity i think i'm still kind of sorting it out i just started doing a master's at, at ubc in high performance coaching and technical leadership so i'm just trying to i guess consume more knowledge and reflect and see how I can take all those uh, experiences I had in, as an athlete and, and translate them into, um, you know, to the next generation of, of kids and, and athletes. Is that something that ever stressed you out in a sense to the, the transition from, you know, the moment you officially say I retire to you know, what's next? That's something that was on your mind or you always knew pretty much what would be next? Uh, wait, Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I feel to some extent I'm still figuring it out. Like, teaching has been has been really awesome, and um, I think I I wasn't necessarily sure how I would feel about not 
competing and, and training at an elite level, but it's been, it's been fine. Like I, it's been a, a good transition. I have, you know, my wife and friends around me that are keeping me busy and, uh, started riding the bike a lot with, with friends that are, you know, all of our close friends are, are avid riders. So that's been a way for me to kind of like exercise my competitive mm-hmm. drive and need to, you know, push myself, but in a, a more social and fun environment. So it's, it's, uh, it's been good so far. Like haven't had any, any issues of, uh, of hanging it up, but it's still kind of an ongoing process of unpacking all of that and, and trying to, uh, you know, take, translate those experiences to, to other aspects of my life that I feel like I, I, you know, haven't totally let go of that, but using, using everything I learned in, in, uh, some sort of capacity. Mm-hmm. So this might be more of a philosophical question in a sense, but you mentioned the fact that one of many reasons that got you to retire was the fact that it's not being a runner or a cross country runner is not necessarily financially extremely stable that you need to literally run for your money, uh, every, every year. Do you think there's a lack of support, not just in running, but in, elite sport in general when it's not uh, hockey, basketball, whatever. Um, yeah, so a lack of support and financial support of federations or government bodies that juice as much as much as they can from athletes and put them the pressure of if you don't perform, then next year there's no funding and you know, go back to your whatever. Um, so yeah, is that something that you felt? Um, were you able to live off running with sponsors, with um, grants and stuff from the government? And was this something that was stressing you out even when you were, um, uh, competing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I was fortunate that at some points over my career to, to have a sponsorship that, that provided gear and, um, some sort of fi- financial support as well, but, uh, it was never that much. And like I said, with the sport Canada funding it, you know, there are years I had it and there are years I didn't have it. And I was fortunate to, to be a part of uh, high performance training group that was supported by our provincial sport organization, BC yeah. athletic. So that made things easier, but it's, uh, it was always stressful. Like it was, it was, you know, you always had to budget out how you were gonna, you know, handle the training camps and the, uh, the racing trips over in Europe and, and that sort of stuff. And I was, uh, you know, I came out of it in a good place. I know there's a lot of athletes that probably go into, uh, it's a debt because of it, but um, you know, in Canada, at least the, there's probably only a handful of athletes that, that are, that are doing well and, and maybe making some money from, from their track and field and, and running sponsorships. But, uh, it's, it's tough. It's just the, you know, the, the companies, the, the running shoe brands are often, um, you know, associated with the, with the U S and the U S doesn't always see value in supporting Canadian athletes and. Mm-hmm. Uh, their marketability because it's a, it's a, you know, more of a North American market as opposed to just a Canadian market. But, um, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how, how we go about changing that. I think, uh, we probably need to see the sport grow more in, in, in North America and, and Canada to, to see more, uh, sponsorship support, but it, uh, I guess we'll have to see what happens. I think there's lots of exciting athletes right now that, that are, are 
competing well for Canada. So hopefully they uh, they can continue to grow the sport and and secure some some uh, some sponsorships that then make it easier for them. Yeah, and because at the end of the day, any athlete, especially those who go to the Olympics, which is the show to the world, and you know we see people from Canada at the Olympics and people get excited when we have a medal or just when we see a Canadian on TV. So yeah, it's, it's, it blows my mind that, like you said, most athletes don't live off the sport and they have to stress about other stuff or get a part-time job when what they could do is just focus on their job or, you know, when they have time off, instead of getting a side job, they could just you know, relax and, and recover and, and perform better. So anyway, it's just <laughs> more philosophical, but you're not the first one you're saying that it, it It gets tough, and at the end of the day, athletes are an amazing, um, um, you know, uh, amazing view on the country, especially uh, at, at events like World Championship and uh, and Olympics. But anyway, it won't be solved uh, <laughs> on that discussion. But it's just, I think, uh, an interesting topic, uh, and yeah, finding avenues to help athletes will be interesting. Um, on a more uh, on a lighter subject, because um, it's been 40 minutes now. I seen that you also, in terms of partnership, you have a partnership with Athletic Brew, Athletic Brewing, uh, a beer company. So yeah, where does that come from? Are you a beer uh, uh, ad, not addict, but uh, uh, yeah, how much do you like beer? <laughs> yeah, yes. Like I always joked in the lead up to 2021 that I probably drink more beer than all the other athletes combined. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, living in Vancouver, we have a great craft beer scene and always something I've, I've really enjoyed and um we always raced in belgium over the summer and i think that you know they're like the creators of good beer in a sense so i yeah. kind of developed a, a a love for for belgian style beer and uh, beer in general i guess when when i would start going on european trips um and then this partnership just was a Uh, I guess they were they were starting to get into athlete partnerships and sponsorships, and they were, um, you know, keen to break into the Canadian market. And it was a, a way for me to to keep maybe more on the straight and narrow and uh, have some maybe non-alcoholic uh, beer selection, uh, as opposed to always indulging in maybe some of the other stuff. But um, I was, yeah, it's awesome. Like I. I wasn't maybe sure what to expect and um but the the beer's great and it's super awesome to just kind of crack one after a hot summer day running you're running on the beach or in the trail so it's uh it's been you know cool to, to partnership with a brand that's uh, uh like physical activities at the backbone of, of their their kind of motto interesting cool um if you had let's say a minute uh with the 10 year old you And you could give a a couple of advice. What would they be? And vice versa, the ten year old you giving uh, you a few advice. Yeah, well, with uh, I say to a ten year old me, just keep having fun. Try everything you can. Um, yeah, don't take no for an answer. <laughs> uh, and then I feel like for ten year old, like if ten year old was ten year old Luke was giving advice to. 30 year old Luke, I'd probably just say, uh, yeah, same kind of thing. Like keep having fun. Uh, <laughs> shit happens. Like just because something goes wrong doesn't mean you need to, to sulk about it. Um, but I think the big one, yeah, just, just keep, uh, be authentic. Like keep, 
keep doing you and, and having fun with it. I think that was, that was a, what I would probably say to both from both, both sides, sides. Of that question. Yeah. Cool. Um, where should I, should our listeners follow you? Sorry for my, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's, uh, at Luca Bruca. Um, just, uh, it's not so much running anymore. It's more, uh, cycling and, uh, just general life stuff, but still kind of highlighting the, the importance of physical activity. I think as a PE teacher and a coach and somebody who yeah. just loves being outside that, that, uh, that's the, the big thing that I hope to inspire people is just to, to get out and be active. Um, that's actually the only social media I feel like I'm using right now. I got rid of Twitter. Um, don't have TikTok or anything X. like that. So they renamed Twitter, I think recently or yeah, yesterday. I'm not sure what it's called anymore. <laughs> anyway, no, none of us is using it. Um, cool. So two questions that I like to ask at the end. One is um, if you had one Canadian, Canadian athlete in mind that you think would be a, a good guest here with a interesting story, story to tell, uh, who would that uh, athlete be? Yeah, I think there's uh, well, one of my good friends, Charles Fulbert Thibodeau. Um, I think his battle with injuries over the last few years would be a uh, um, you know, unique, very unique story. I mean, it's not dissimilar to to many of the other athletes, but I think he, you know, he made the Olympics in 2016 and and just recently ran the Olympic standard for 2024, but nice. missed the Olympics in 2021. So be interesting to see how someone like that would, you know, stay committed over eight years when there's some really low lows and now he's back having some very high highs at, at the age he is, which is not necessarily uh, commonplace in our sport. So I think that he would be a good one to talk to. Perfect. So Charles, taking notes. Um, and the last question is, so I'm building, a, it's not a question, it's a fact. So I'm building um, a mu what I call a museum of sport at my place. And uh, for all the guests I have, I ask them if they have a, a gear or anything from their uh, career that could be added uh, to the museum. So do you have anything? If I send you like a label, labeled envelope or, yeah. or anything? Yeah. We, uh, in 2016, my, my good friend Derek and I, he's a, uh, I guess a running photographer everything you got on instagram is his stuff is super super unique and cool but uh we made like a we called it a zine it's like a styled after like a 90s skateboard magazine and he just like kind of followed me along for for four or five months um his wife okay. was in our training group so we created this like photo booklet with a few stories in it of my kind of journey towards the olympics in 2021 and i think i have maybe five or six copies still at home so oh i think that uh would be a cool thing to send you. Oh, that will be wonderful. Perfect. So I'll uh, get offline. I'll get your address and I'll send you a, a label envelope. If you, uh, if you can have that sent, that will be wonderful. That's the first time that I would have a book or booklet. So amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. They're super cool. I think it, I saw it and I'm like, okay, I want to, I feel like I more. start doing these for, for, you know, other athletes or other events or something. Cause they're super cool. Turned Very out really nice. well. Awesome. Thank you uh, so much, Luke, for, for taking your time. Thank you for being so uh, also um, flexible on the scheduling because I had a small uh, power outage last time. So, yeah, thank you for your availability, for your time, and for all your, uh, your insight on your career. No worries. Thank you for, for asking some good questions and giving me the opportunity to kind of talk a bit about my time as an athlete. Thanks. Well, uh, I hope I'll, I'll meet you uh, sometimes uh, out west. Yeah, hopefully. Bye. All right, take care.
you're still here, it's probably because you liked the episode, right? So, if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes, you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on Instagram at unfiltered.athletes. It really helps us. And until next time, enjoy life!